Hello and welcome back to the Great Date Guy podcast. My name is Rob Wong and with me, uh, I have a really good friend. Um, this is someone that I trust innately. She's huge in the transformation community. She's a stellar coach and one of the best people that I know. Most willing to stand for like in the face of discomfort for what's best for people. And today, uh, we're going to be talking about waiting until marriage, the whole purity movement. Uh, but before we get started with that, is there is there anything else that you'd like to say about who you are in the world or like, um, yeah, any of that background that you want to make clear for the people listening? Um, well, that was a great introduction. Thank you. Um, <laughs> um, I think I'm I'm passionate about children. I'm passionate about kids growing up to be wholesome adults that really know who they are. Um, and I'm a single mom. I have two amazing children. Uh, who, they're 11 and six, a boy and a girl. And um, I'm just really passionate about them really knowing to their core who they are as they're growing up and not waiting until adulthood to find that, that out, you know. So this topic I'm, I'm passionate about even the uncomfortable topics that adults don't want to talk to kids about, you know, it's, um, I think it's important, especially for young girls to just have a healthy understanding of what all this is and how to protect themselves and how to have big conversations. So I think that's for me, I'm really passionate about children. Mm, that's like the perfect segue, I think, because as we, as I think about the purity movement that starts pretty early in life, mm -hmm. um, but I, I'm afraid I don't actually have many details about that. So I'd be curious about how it was introduced to you and what that was like for you. Okay. Um, so I didn't grow up religious. My parents were not, um, you know, religious. I didn't start going to church at a very young age. I actually got into going to church through friends in high school and invited to youth group. Um, and yeah, and of course it was amazing and I loved it. And we did such fun things. I met such amazing people that are still some of my best friends to this day. Um, I learned a lot about my passions in the world and loving people and what that looks like. Um, I got to go on missions trips and, um, and you know, it kept me safe. It kept me out of trouble. It kept me with great friends. Um, and I really got to establish what my morals were and what my boundaries were at a young age and be able to stand up for that you know, you know, and being invited to parties and being able to say no, um, and things like that. So I was, yeah, I was introduced by friends to, um, religion and, um, you know, non-denominational non Christian. So it was just a very basic, um, come and do Bible study and then have snacks and <laughs> you know, kind of a youth group, um, which was great. And, um, and then of course, as an adolescent girl, we did talk a lot about purity and saving yourself for marriage and the different Bible verses that went along with that, respecting your body and um, dressing modestly. Um, you know, the, the very typical, you know, what it looks like to be pure. Um, we'd have retreats that were based around it. Um, I signed purity um, agreements and, you mm. know, those kinds of things. So, I mean, that's a very basic description of, of how I was introduced to, to all that. Wow. Yeah. 
I, I guess what I'm hearing is that there were like multiple levels where that message was conveyed and then like reinforced by buy-in. So you had like a contract to sign where that was your agreement. Yeah. And it was brought to your attention repeatedly while you were part of the church. Mm-hmm. What do you... As I got older, the conversation changed. Of course, when you're young, it's just, you know, don't kiss boys, don't hold their hand, don't, you know, respect your body and... Um, it made us wear one piece bathing suits if we did pool parties and a lot of modesty conversations. And then as I got older, it became more like, um, don't tempt your brothers in Christ, you know, don't, um, make them sin. Don't make them have impure thoughts. So it was a lot of the focus was on the girls, like Mm. it's our responsibility, not only to keep ourselves pure, but our, our brothers in Christ, quote unquote, um, that was our job to keep them pure as well. That was a huge conversation. Yeah. Already that's landing like a lot of unnecessary responsibility. I mean, I think responsibility is a, it's a good thing in a lot of ways. It's empowering, but to make women responsible for how men react, Mm -hmm. that seems like a huge burden to give to someone who's just beginning to develop. Right. Yeah. So it made me very self-conscious of, my body and what I was wearing, what I was saying and who I had a crush on. And, you know, like it was, I was very um, self-conscious and anxious about that all the time. How do you, how do you, how did you find yourself navigating attraction and dating and like that kind of connection with those sorts of restrictions in place? Um, When I was younger, it was, I really wanted a Christian boy. You know, I had my morals and I wanted someone that had morals as well. And it was something I was very proud of at that age, that I had restraint, that I had morals, and I didn't do a lot of things that the other girls in school were doing, which to this day, I'm still, you know, don't regret some of that. Um, I am proud of myself for a lot of that, um, because I really valued myself, but it was mostly because I was afraid I was going to get in trouble. Mm. Um, So, you know, being younger, I was mostly looking at the character of boys and if they were Christian too. Um, and if I thought a boy was cute, I mostly just stayed away from him. <laughs> mm. Mm. That yeah. was my strategy in high school too. I yep. would find a girl that I thought was cute and then never talk to her ever. Yep. Yeah. That was my basis for staying away from him is if I was attracted to him or not. <laughs> mm. Yeah. And then as an adult, still having to deal with that and finding someone attractive, it was, it, it's still something I, I deal with. I mean, I've healed a lot and we can get more into, um, how it affects me now, but yeah, it's, uh, it's changed over the years. And of course I was married for, you know, quite a while. So getting back into the dating scene after being a virgin, when I got married, it's a whole different ball game, you know? Yeah. Would you say more about that? Like I have just no concept of what the impact of that would be. Yeah. So I got married very young. Um, and you know, my ex-husband very well, he's, he's amazing. Um, so we met in college in a Christian college. And so I automatically knew, well, he's Christian. He's good. Um, (laughs) he passes that test. Um, but you know, we were friends first. Um, he, he was not a virgin when we met, but he was kind of one of the, they call born again virgins, meaning re-promising himself. So, um, making that commitment again for himself, Mm. um, 
and we were friends for a while. We dated for a while and then we got engaged and we always had that promise. We had that commitment. We're going to wait. Um, and, you know, even I went to a Christian college. So the way they taught us was, you know, um, don't, we can't be in the boys dorms. We can't um, be alone with a boy. We can't, you know, even as, you know, 19, 18, 19 years old, it was still all these rules mm. um, that we can't be alone. We can't, you know, if, if we were, they had open dorm nights. So we were allowed to go into the boys dorms, the boys come to the girls dorms, but all the doors had to stay open. The RAs would walk around and check on everybody. And like, it was very, um, I don't know, it was just very monitored. And, um, you know, and there was lots of times we were tempted, of course, because we're in love and, you know, those feelings are there and it's all very natural, but, you know, so it was very much like, okay, we have to stop, you have to go, we have to leave and everything would be abruptly ended a lot. So it was just hard to get to know each other on different levels. Um, and then, you know, and then they just, they promote purity, 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 you know, no sex before you get married, no impure thoughts, no, like, no, nothing before you get married. And I mean, there's some girls that wouldn't even kiss their fiance until their wedding day. Whoa. There were some girls that took, one of my good friends took it that far. Um, So it's just, it was a very bizarre thing on the day of my wedding, being very nervous. Like all, that's all I could think about my wedding day. And then I also, all I could think about was everybody here knows what I'm going to do. And I felt like I was going to get in trouble. I felt dirty. I felt like I don't know what I'm doing. I felt like a little girl. I really did. Um, And I was 21 when I got married. So, and then wedding night came and it like, my poor Justin, like the poor guy, I'm crying. I'm nervous. I'm nauseous. I'm, you know, because they tell you no sex till you get married and then you get married and then they say, okay, please your husband. Mm. You're like, Oh, Oh. how, I don't know what to do. (laughs) You didn't tell me any of that part, you know? It sort of so, sounds like like it's um, it's going from one set of expectations to another. In, in this instance, I'm not saying that every church does that, but it sounded yeah. like first you're responsible for not turning them on, and now all of a sudden you're responsible for turning them on. For and, their pleasure, yeah. And that's that's wild because if I put myself in your shoes, like I already I already have a lot of programming inside of me that's like sex is bad. Yeah, but. Which I think we do naturally. Like that's just yeah. something that's there. So I don't think it's unique to, like you know, Christian adolescence. But I think it's just a little like on steroids. Yeah. <laughs> that whole yeah. Yeah. Like if if I think about like taking on the next level of that from my environment, and then suddenly being thrown into, hey, you have to please this other human being and do the thing that was sinful, just like right up until yesterday. Yep. That sounds like a tough transition. Yeah. And it was, and, you know, I mean, of course he was great and we were in love and there was a part of it we were excited for. We were looking forward to it. Um, but, but I made the mistake of going to breakfast with my whole family the next morning. Oh God. <laughs> they were all going to fly out cause we got married, you know, in a different state. And so they were all going to fly home. So we were going to have breakfast with them before everybody left and to walk into that restaurant, having not being a virgin anymore after most of my identity was based on being a virgin, Mm. you know, um, it was like a part of me was gone and, um, and I wasn't innocent. I wasn't, 
pure anymore, even though I did it with my husband and that was the expectation and every, I was okay. <laughs> you know, it was just this whole, and like sitting next to my dad at that breakfast. Oh, was just like, no. Was I couldn't eat anything. I couldn't look at anybody in the eye. Like, cause that, it just felt like such the, the central point of everything, you know, was that, which, and it should be something that is like sacred and private between a husband and a wife. And even though it wasn't discussed out loud, it's what everybody was thinking, mm. you know, and it just seemed like it was the focal point of, of everything. I could see how that, I mean, that, that reaction makes sense, mm. especially if the value before was placed on how pure can you be? Right. That's, that's what you're supposed to do. Yeah. To like, okay, well, that's, I can't undo that. That's no longer a piece of me. And like, what's my identity now? Yeah. Yeah. So now I'm, I'm a wife. Now, what does that mean? I don't even know what that is, you know, because it was so much focus was on staying pure and respecting my body and, you know, the whole thing. So hmm. it was very interesting. And then my marriage over the years, like we went through a lot of different transitions and a lot of different phases with it. Um, but even he was Christian and it was pushed onto him as a Christian boy, like women are sacred, women are pure, you took care of them. And so he was like, I don't want to look at her as a sexual being because she's this pure, you know, like, so on both ends, it really is a struggle. Um, I mean, even in the church, they, they talk, you know, the boys, no porn and no masturbation whatsoever. And to tell a young boy, no masturbation is like. It just feel like it's so, I mean, I can't relate, but it just feels so unnatural. Like, okay, then talk through it and, and why not and have those conversations. But it was just such an off limits and we don't talk about it. And, you know. Yeah. Yeah. How would you, um, how would you have rather that been handled? Do you think like, I, what do you think would have been? I yeah, go ahead. There's, you know, in the different ages, I, I'm okay with talking to young girls about the meaning of no, like that's a very important conversation. You're not required yeah. to do anything with anybody. It's your body. Um, and to, and to look at, because I do think there's a healthy side of the purity movement. There really is. Um, and, and teaching girls like this is your body, respect it, love your body, whatever it looks like, you know, whatever stage you're in. Um, but also have conversations about you're going to have feelings, you're going to have sensations. And, and it's okay. And yeah, there's different ages that different things are appropriate to talk about. Um, you know, I, I, so I think navigating that can be difficult on a psychological aspect and being, you know, being appropriate with children. But mm, I think yeah. as I got older, in my teen years, I wish they would have talked to me about it's natural to have sexual thoughts. It's okay. Um, and whether or not you have sex is not the issue. You can make that decision on your own. Um, and whatever your morals are, whatever your boundaries are, you set for yourself, but that these feelings you're having are okay. You know, so I feel like I wish they would have empowered women instead of suppressed us. I get that. Um, and it's bringing to mind like one of one of the tenets I think of coaching of like of creating change and transformation in people the stuff that I suppress the stuff that I really don't like about me uh, 
that that's not going anywhere as long as I don't like that about me. Right. Like my thing was, and still is like when I get really upset with someone, it's like, it's very natural for me to want to cut them out of my life. Uh And I, I, I've had the experience of like making that the bad thing. So it's like, I can't do that. I'm a bad person if I do that. Right. And then I noticed that I began to see that in other people. And then it's like, oh, well, they're bad people too. And then I would try to cut them out of my life. And it's like, oh, well, like I'm back on the hamster wheel. There's no escaping this. Exactly. Yeah. So I think that permission to like, hey, like there are going to be desires and that's normal. That's really, really important. And I'm happy that you brought that up. Yeah. And, and, And even like talking about our bodies, like having a woman, maybe a doctor or maybe a gynecologist, like on a just a very basic scientific level, like at a young age, explain like this is what's happening to your body. Like it was such a taboo, like deal with it on your own and don't talk about your thoughts and don't talk about sensations that are naturally occurring in your body, Mm. (laughs) you know, like make it normal. Like it's the same thing as having hiccups, you know, like it's biological. I wish they would have normalized it a little bit more. And, And you can still have, you know, the religion, you can still have that there and valuing your body and explaining maybe what some of these verses mean on a different level. Because I personally don't think that some of these verses meant to be no sex at all, no thoughts, no desires until you get married. Like, I really don't think that's how it was intended. (laughs) (laughs) So, because I've read some Solomon, and that is a very passionate book of the Bible. And if you really read it, it can be very erotic. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so they they picked and choose different things out out of that context. And it was just... Yeah, it just wasn't healthy. And I'm seeing it now, how unhealthy it was. Back then, I was very proud of myself. It made sense to me. I was very passionate about it. And I'm not going to have sex. And this is how it's going to be. Like, didn't seem off to me. It didn't seem like maybe they shouldn't be teaching it this way. Like, that, did, it, wasn't, it didn't occur that way mm. at that age, you know. And, and me and, and my, my younger sister was also, my, my stepsister Um, we're very close in age and she was in the same boat with me and we would have the conversations like you know praying for my future husband and all those things that they encourage um so she struggles with all the same stuff that i do and she's still married um, but her and her husband have had a very difficult time and um it's all the same and we, we both read this book together and there's a lot of other women in our same scenario that were you know brought up the same way that experience what we have yeah, I I mean, from what I'm hearing, what I've made up in my own head is like, I, I imagine it would be really easy to be left with that, like who you are needs to be tightly controlled and yeah. what you do naturally is bad, mm-hmm. um, especially around sexuality. Yeah. And it, it sounds like it was happening on both sides, not just for you, but also for your husband. Exactly. Was there any other impact that you noticed that seemed like, like, oh man, like, I can't believe that's there. And like, it's affected me. Like, um, it's, it's, and and you've noticed how it's affected your life and the way that you've made decisions. Um, a big thing for me was I felt like I was not allowed to desire sex. Hmm. I was not allowed to instigate it. I was not, and this was all just in my head, right? Like what I dealt with, um, 
I can't instigate. I can't want it. I can't be turned on. It has to all come from him. Mm. I had this skewed vision of women are here to please. Men are the ones that get turned on. Men are the ones that want sex. So I have to just like, okay, if you want it, I'll do it. You know what I mean? Um, Cause that's my wifely duties. And the sad part is <laughs> our sex life when it happened was great. Mm. Like it was amazing, mm. but it didn't happen very often because of this unspoken, I can't want to, I have to wait for him. But then he's over here thinking, I don't want to pressure her. I don't, you know, cause she still struggles with all this stuff and we're Christian. And so we're both having this <laughs> silent dialogue, <laughs> you know, like, and I'm, and there's times I'm like, why can't I want it? Like I would have these conversations with myself, like, yes, I can. And so then I would try it. And then if I did try it, then I instantly felt horrible. And mm. it was just all this not, and not knowing how to navigate it with each other. There just wasn't an avenue for us to have these conversations with each other, you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm almost getting a sense that it would have been valuable to have like a class prior to marriage on like how to navigate that. Like both of you are probably going to think sex is bad and wrong. It's okay now. And like check in, have conversations. Yeah. Like we went to marriage counseling, a couple's counseling right before, you know, the, the premarital counseling that a lot of Christians do, which is so great. If you create a context for your marriage and mm. you know, it's, it's really great. Um, I encourage anybody who's going to get married to go to some kind of premarital counseling because it's so valuable. Um, but the only thing that was missing in our premarital counseling was the conversation about sex. It was not discussed. It was not talked about at all. Like not once was it brought up. Wow. I feel like I can, I can relate to some of what you're saying. It, it shows up a little differently for me, but I remember for a really long time, my goal in sex was to make sure that my partner had an amazing time. Like, oh, mind blowing orgasms, multiple right. orgasms, as many as possible. Right. And inside of that, there was kind of a loss of sense of self. Like mm -hmm. my purpose then was to almost kind of like do work or put on a performance yeah. without any thought of actually enjoying it. So yeah, like sex became this high pressure thing where it was much less enjoyable than it could be. That, that was the time that I had to prove I was a man. Yeah. And, uh, I imagine it might've been different for you, but that it yeah. lands similarly. I'm sorry you went through that. Yeah. And I can see on his end too, cause you know, he loved me, cherished me. Like he had the desire to take care of me. And so when he's saying I'm struggling, he's like, well, I don't want to make her feel like she has to do this. I mean, he, he really did have a desire to make sure I was okay, but for him that showed up as then we just won't do it it's okay mm. we just won't do it you know which i can totally get and i totally understand but then that means that that was missing in our relationship you know because he just wanted to make sure i was okay i didn't want to be in trouble or be dirty so i couldn't desire it so we just kind of like okay we just nope we won't, we won't do it. <laughs> you know? yeah avoid it i think some of our our best um times of intimacy was when alcohol was involved because <laughs> mm. then we can just had a chance like who cares <laughs> <No>? <laughs> yeah that makes so, sense yeah um 
and you know we got like maybe five six years into the marriage and then finally we're like okay something's got to give we let's talk about this you know like we were tired of it we both were really deep into transformation work and um you know and i I was at first and then he kind of followed later so that kind of opened up like i know this is the way it has been let's let's not have it go that way anymore and let's have conversations but there was just always a lingering um for me i i can't desire it i can't want it so the conversations came from that context Hmm. you know i didn't really get to to transform that conversation inside of our marriage I got that. Yeah, that seems like a sticky one, particularly if he's worried about intruding or if he's concerned about your concern for purity. That's like very echo chamber. Mm-hmm. It's also kind of having me wonder about like, well, how do you heal from that? How do you move forward from that? Um, I, the healing didn't really start until after we separated. And I do know, I mean, sex wasn't the only reason, but it played a big part in, in um, kind of the falling out because um, attraction just kind of disappeared. Intimacy and romance even went out the window. So it wasn't even just sex anymore. It was dates and it was, um, it really just felt like we were roommates. And mm. so just the fire and the passion was just gone. So then the fun and the silliness was even gone too. Was it because like dates and flirting and romance would lead to lust or undesirable emotions yeah. and ah yeah yeah it was you know and then we started even questioning like is he even attracted to me because he doesn't ask for sex from me anymore you know so then i lost a sense of self i be, just became the uh, mom i became a, a homeschooling stay-at-home mom he went to work and i was a zombie i was on autopilot robot like this is my life and my husband's not attracted to me doesn't even want to have sex with me and you know, and then he's probably over here, like, my wife doesn't even want to have sex with me, I'm just going to go to work, I'm a robot, and, you know, Mm. so it's, sex can be such a huge part of marriage, and if it's missing, it's, it's really difficult to come back from, and it, and it all stems from, I was a virgin when I got married. (laughs) Yeah, I want to corroborate what you're saying with, like, a little science background, too, for the people listening, because I know you've, you've got the, the background and you know all this already i'm preaching to the choir yeah but with sex comes the release of oxytocin which is powerfully bonding yeah. <laughs> it's connected to my computer <laughs> yeah, that's all good Sorry about that um but yeah and what i'm learning is that with orgasm it also causes some vagus nerve activation which helps us get out of fight or flight responses the reason why a lot of couples have sex in order when things are really stressful or they have makeup sex um, is because it's we instinctively know that it'll help us get to a better place emotionally. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a source of tremendous connection and repair and a dopamine release too, which is critical if we want to like go through life with more resilience. Yeah. So it does all these things, and when it's gone, like man, things are. It's so easy to get into fights. It's so easy to be dysregulated as a couple. Yeah. So, so what you're Absolutely. saying makes sense. Yeah. And even just to go numb. I mean, when we separated, the biggest question I got was, well, did you guys fight a lot? And part of me was like, I, I wish. Because <laughs> mm. then we had something to work with, you know. Um, but it just was numb. It was, 
like I said, just autopilot for both of us. Yeah. So, and it was, it, yeah, just from feeling undesirable on both ends. Ouch. Yeah. I guess then, like, so you mentioned that the healing happened after this point. Uh, what did you feel? What had you go looking for the answer here? You know, it's funny. It's something I didn't know I needed healing from. I, I, it was just my life. It was just, that's how it was. This is how men are. This is how women are. Mm. And I was in a marriage. I had never slept with anybody else before him. I didn't have a chance to explore sexually. Mm. Um, so I didn't know that I needed that, that I needed to heal from that. Mm. Um, and getting into the dating world was exciting, but so scary because I had only had one sexual partner my whole life, um, who was my husband. So it wasn't a one night stand. It wasn't a, it was a very emotional thing um and so getting you know meeting all different kinds of men and what their desires are and you know and like the horrors of dating and getting <laughs> the dick pics and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> sorry about that um it, it that I mean, it opened my eyes to what's out there and what people are interested in and what um and what people do and at first it was scary and I had the whole, that's not okay. And this is dirty. And, um, and then allowing myself to come from nothing's wrong. It's empty and meaningless and to, to discover who I was on all levels and, you know, sexually as a woman, what are my interests? What am I, you know, like, and falling in love with my body and myself and who I am and, mm. um, you know, the whole process of, of creating a new life for myself. And then, you know, being a single mom on top of it all and, you know, navigating all those things. So I had a chance to explore and I had a chance to then sit with the feelings that came from exploring and, okay, this is okay. You're not in trouble. And did that feel good? And if it didn't feel good, we're not going to do that again. And, mm. you know, like just learning, um, and, and learning what my boundaries are, you know, I think that's where I'm, I'm still grateful for that. I have a really, uh, a strength for setting boundaries because of, you know, my, my upbringing. Um, mm, yeah. Yeah. So I am grateful for that. I am really good at saying no, I am really good at, I'm not comfortable with that, you know? Um, but the struggle was what am I comfortable with, <laughs> you know? And so being able to, um, yeah, just kind of let things happen, you know, and having sexual experiences that I never, ever thought in my life I would have mm. um, and being grateful for them and being um, happy that they happened and not feeling like I was going to get in trouble. And, and then being able to share those experiences, like with my sister, with somebody I felt really safe with. And then it was kind of a healing experience for her because we went through the same thing. She's still married to her one sexual partner and her being like, good for you. And how did that feel? And what was that like? And being able to have these conversations with another woman who understands where I'm at, which I think is so valuable for women. We have to have somebody that we can talk to about everything. Yeah. Um, and that makes it okay that hears you. And, you know, you know, cause I, I did in my exploring had some scary experiences as well. And being able to talk to somebody without feeling I'm going to get in trouble and was really valuable. So I think my healing came from community. Um, my healing came from trusting myself and um, yeah, empty and meaningless, like really like 
okay, let's think about that experience. Let's talk about that. Okay, we didn't like that one, <laughs> you know, and that's okay. Like, and just allowing things to happen. I think this is all brilliant. And if you're listening right now and you're wondering why emptying meaningless is coming up and you haven't been through landmark training before, uh, the concept of emptying meaningless is kind of along the lines of like, in the grand scheme of things, nothing really has any meaning. To the universe, what you're going through right now, it's insignificant. It's like a fraction of a second in the lifespan of everything that's happening. And what we're going through, what we're experiencing, we've added meaning to it. A lot of times we've added story about what it means about them, what it means about us, what it means about the future. Um, and that's where a lot of the suffering comes from. And so when, when he talks about empty and meaningless, uh, that's what she's referencing in order to process through uncomfortable experiences or stories that might come up about what a bad person she is or what that situation meant. Yeah, exactly. I like too that you brought up community. Like I think that like magic becomes available in other people. And a lot of times when I'm stuck and I finally give up like getting myself out of that situation where I feel terrible, but I don't want help. When I can give that up and I just talk to someone about what I'm going through vulnerably. Mm -hmm. um, then I can be free of those emotions. They can yeah. help normalize that experience. So I don't feel like a shit person. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and being open to different conversations, um, you know, and reading, I mean, I read a book on the purity movement it's like, the book's actually called pure. Um, I can't remember the author now. I'll, I'll text it to you. Maybe you can link it or something. Um, sure. But it was some, a woman that just, it, she just was, giving her experience as well. And then she had conversations with a lot of different women. And so her book is just a compilation of different conversations that she's had with women. Um, and, you know, it's funny, like, there's times where I feel... <laughs> my, uh, my security. Um, okay, thank you. <laughs> there's times... Um, what was I going to say? Where I have like this skewed um, view of men mm. based on my past and nothing that they've done, nothing that, you know, they, they aren't faulted for any of it. Um, but it's just this, like, when they tell me what their desire is, I almost get offended. Like, you shouldn't tell me that. You need to keep that to yourself. And instead of being flattered or instead of being, um, you know, like, this is normal, I, I get offended in these conversations and having to navigate that and deal with that because it's natural for men to be turned on by a woman they're attracted to. Like, that's what's supposed to happen. It's, <laughs> you know, like, you can't hold it against them. And, um, and, and feeling myself getting really upset with men in general for being turned on by me and like it shouldn't be happening. And so having to like flip the script on that, like, no, I am attractive and it's okay that a man gets turned on by me and I could still have boundaries. I can still, you know, hey, like it's, I'd appreciate if you didn't say those things or whatever, but to not be upset at the, what's natural, you know? Um, so just having to navigate those kinds of things. Um, but then if a guy is trying to be, and so this is where it gets interesting for me, when a guy is trying to be a gentleman and not do like, you know, like on a first date, like 
you know, I'm going to give you a, a kiss on your cheek and send you on your way because I really like you and I don't want to screw this up. So I'm going to not kiss you. I'm going to not do these things and I'm going to see you on our next date. And I get like, but men are supposed to be pigs. What's going on? <laughs> Why is he not doing, is he not like me? Is he not attracted to me? Is he, you know, like, and then I get hurt and I get like, I start having self-doubt because he's not showing all these signs of being turned on by me and all these things. Like it's so skewed sometimes, you know, because it, I had such a skewed view of what was healthy. Mm. Um, you know, so I, there's just been so many different stages, especially in dating, like just stages of navigating um, what's okay and what's not okay and natural. And, you know, it's just, it's so weird sometimes. In yeah. My mind. Yeah. Yeah. The brain, the brain is crazy. And I love that you brought the example up um, in my head. I've, I call them no win situations, which I feel like I could probably work on that title a little bit more, but I catch myself doing the same thing. It doesn't matter what happens. I get to be unhappy. I don't get to win. Um, for me, one of the things that I caught really early on was, and this is totally unrelated to what you're talking about, but it was like, you can't share if you have bad news because no one wants to hear about your bad news. But you also can't talk about your good news either because like that'll be braggy and you don't want to be a braggy <laughs> asshole. So like, I guess I better not talk at all then. Like, Exactly. And it's so, I think it's one of the most valuable things in the world is to begin looking to see where have I created a situation where it doesn't matter what happens. I'm just going to be profoundly unhappy either way. And that's right. when the work can begin. So I love that you pointed that out. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, 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 it's a constant journey still for me, discovering who I am, discovering my sexuality, discovering um, even my boundaries, what they are for women. Boundaries change on a daily basis. Mm. I've definitely discovered that. Um, if I'm okay with one thing yesterday, I might not be okay with it tomorrow, you know, because of wherever I'm at in my journey and, you know, maybe where I was at in the moment I was okay with it. I might not have been in a healthy place, you know, or, whatever it is. So, um, and having that be okay. So having a guy say, well, you were okay with doing it last week. Like, I understand that and I'm not okay with it anymore, you know, and not being afraid to say that and to speak up, um, and, and still respect him, you know, maybe say, here's why it's not you and you didn't do anything wrong. It's just where I'm at. You know, I think it's that we need to start having these kinds of conversations as adults, um, with, people you know are friends of the same sex and of people that were interested in dating like here's where i'm at and you know and it's okay if it changes yeah wow it sounds like you've taken on a, a lot of growth and all of these things that you've mentioned accepting your body like being more okay with boundaries being okay with changing your boundaries moment to moment mm -hmm. these are all like really powerful things um and i guess out of all of these if you had to give one piece of advice or one area to look for growth uh, to the people listening, um, what would that be? Um, I think I'd bring it back to community. Have conversations with your friends, with people you really trust. Um, you know, ask what was your experience? Have you ever had this before? How do you feel about that? Or even just venting, I'm scared, or I had this experience with this guy and it was, I, this is how I felt about it. And, they don't have to have advice. They don't have to have an answer for you. I think just being able to say it out loud because in our head, like you were saying, is where a lot of meaning gets created in, in that internal monologue and being able to just 
speak it with somebody you trust, you can really um, organize those thoughts and, <laughs> you know, um, and, and really be able to create something healthy with community. Mm -hmm. So that would be like, just talk, talk to your sisters, your mom, grandma, your aunt, you know, I mean, I have a great women in my life, amazing women um, that, you know, I really trust with things like that. So that would be my advice for growth is it, you can't do it on your own. Mm. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. I feel like, I, um... I, I will add that I have great men in my life too. Mm. <laughs> it's okay for a woman to have that kind of conversation with a man as well. Um, I think that's also important. And for men to have conversations with women, like really get that other side. So community in general. What do you, what's become available for you out of having those conversations with men? Um, gaining a perspective, um, you know, cause I, don't, I can't relate to what it's like to be a man. I, mean, I just can't. So really getting, you know, asking like, Hey, if you said this to a woman, what would that mean? And having him say like, he's not into you or whatever it <laughs> is, you know, like <laughs> have a guy like really just lay it out flat. It's been so helpful. And so um, eye opening for me because sometimes girls, we can get, Oh no, he likes you. And just keep calling, just keep texting. Like, and the guy's like, no, stop. <laughs> Don't do it anymore. I think that one goes both ways for sure. Totally. Uh, yeah. yeah. Very valuable. Well, yeah, this has been brilliant. And I know I promised earlier on to make sure that we ended on time. So I'm going to give you a little bit of a buffer here, but if someone wanted to, uh, I guess, either get a resource or if you're open to having someone reach out to you because this is something that they're dealing with, uh, what would you recommend? How would, how would they go about doing that? Um, I don't know. There's some, I mean, Facebook was probably a great, a great way. Um, you know, message me, um, Instagram, I'm on Instagram as well. Um, I can, I can give you those links if you want. Um, or through you, you know, you can get people in touch with me if someone reaches out to you as well, because you know how to get a hold of me. So that's true. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, brilliant. Is there anything else you want to say to be complete with our talk today? Um, no, just just thank you. Thank you for creating this platform, because I think, um, you know, I know you're looking for a lot of different um, people in, in different um, lifestyles and, and things like that. And I think it's also important to hear because it's all natural. It's all, as long as someone feels safe and is being responsible according to what they think is responsible. Um, I, I think it's such a uh, important conversation to have, you know, in, in all aspects and all experiences. Um, and, you know, people, I, I just think it's so important to live life. It's so important to find what your passions are and, um, and, and experience things that bring you to a place of euphoria. And, you know, it just, for me, being able to explore sexually has opened up so many other areas of my life. Um, and, and really, I mean, I'm so in love with myself. I'm so like, I'm the healthy, I just went vegan. I've been vegan for like a month now. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and like just doing things for me and loving myself and, and working out and, and being healthy has all come from exploring sexually, you know, um, wow. and really knowing what I want in a partner, not just sexually, but in all aspects, like I feel okay with expecting that, not just wanting it, but expecting it and waiting for it and 
you're not it, you're not it, you know, and that's okay. Um, so I think the conversation of around sex is so important on so many different levels. So just thank you for having, um, you know, this platform for people to, to talk about their experiences and it's a big deal. You're absolutely welcome. And I would say for me is like feeling a lot of appreciation that you wanted to come on. I think that this can be a point of shame for a lot of people. This is not a common conversation and your willingness to talk about it and really explore in depth to help others as they go through their own journey and exploration. uh, Mm -hmm. That's a big deal. So Mm -hmm. I appreciate you being here and staying in touch. Yeah. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Well, and that just about wraps up the time that we have for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, You can catch us next Thursday, 8 a.m. Pacific time. Thanks again.